ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Three balls left, one to win. Fleming in and bowls. Kluzner hits back past the bowler. There's a mix-up. Oh, there could be a run-out. There will be a run-out. It's a tie. Australia is in the final. Still gives me chills. How about you? Arguably peak Australian cricket in 1999 as Steve Warren co-scraped past South Africa in the most wild and dramatic circumstances possible. 24 years on, the two nations are readying for another epic World Cup semi-final clash. Can the Proteus shake the chokers tag? And what of India as they carry the weight of a nation against perennial World Cup overperformers New Zealand? Today you are in especially good hands as Jim Maxwell previews two box office semi-finals. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. Jim Maxwell is the ABC's voice of cricket. He is here to talk about the ODI World Cup and the semi-finals. Jim, let's work through it chronologically. India feels like they've been on another level throughout this tournament, but the fact they're coming up against the Kiwi side, eternally underrated and underappreciated, imbues it all with a sense of danger for me. How do you think New Zealand might take down the tournament hosts? Well, I dare say they'll try to take India on as... Brendan McCallum tried to eight years ago in the final at the MCG. Stark again runs in and bowls and McCullum drives his ball! He's bowled him! Clean bowled him! A huge wicket for Australia! McCullum has been yorked! By having a crack at Stark, which didn't work, I mean, they've got to try and disrupt India and that has proved a huge task for everyone in the tournament. No one can really get Boomer in particular off the square when he's armed with that new missile, any missile. Oh, knocks him over with the Yorker. It was coming. He has bowled some seriously good bounces and a couple of very good Yorkers, none better than this one. Uh, he's less than three runs and over. Uh, he's been extraordinary. And around the rest of the attack with Shami's extraordinary bowling, the accuracy of Jadeja in particular, it's a big challenge for the Kiwis, whether they're batting first to set the game up or chasing uh, to dominate India's attack. So that's one problem. And the other problem is India's batting if uh, they get a little bit of momentum. So we're coming back to the story of most one-day cricket, although it's been a bit different in this series. The battle of the sort of the new ball, the opening salvos, the first 10 overs, who wins the argument there? And then the backup of the hard-hitting, distant-hitting of uh, the middle-order batting. So it'll be a big task for New Zealand, but you'd think at Wankati you want to set the game up by making a very good score. So that's probably their best chance. But the versatility, the confidence of India is a lot to overcome and uh, New Zealand will do well to knock them off. Yeah, you touch on the fact that the toss is so crucial at the Wankhede Stadium. Can you underline to us just why it is so important at that ground particularly? Well, I think the conditions for batting are normally best at the start. Heads. Heads called. Heads it is, Afghanistan. What are you going to do and why? Uh, Bismillah Rahman Rahim, uh, we want to bat first uh, because the wicket looks good now and we are hopeful that it will be spin and seam in the second innings. You know, the sun's out and the pitch is in good nick. Later on, maybe a little bit of dew comes in. Maybe there's more 
opportunity for the bowlers to, to swing the ball, which has been an issue at times in this tournament. That's probably why it's the best thing to be doing. On most occasions in one-day cricket, you think batting first and setting the game up is the way to go. But against India in particular, it doesn't seem to matter. They're so potent. For Coley, who shuffles at him and drives him down the ground for four. And that was just set up with the faintest shuffle of the feet. He just twitched forward. Through Coley and Sharma at, at, at the top and Gill and Shreya, that uh, they can take almost any score on. So even if New Zealand managed 350, uh, they might find, uh, unless Lockie Ferguson and Bolt knock the top off the innings, that uh, it's not enough. The pressure must be immense on India. Do you get the sense that their own expectations are, in a way, the biggest opponent to overcome for them as we get to the pointy end of the World Cup? Less so playing at home, I think, as we saw with their triumph in 2011, backed by their own crowds. Their confidence, if they get some momentum, uh, surges. The crowd could play in their favour unless they have a bad day, unlike you know playing in other parts of the world. Although wherever they play in the world, they get a crowd <laughs> that supports them. Australia and South Africa in the other World Cup semi-final. I mean, these two nations have history. It was interesting to see Proteus skipper Temba Bavuma lean into the chokers tag, saying that until they win a trophy, it's going to be there. Do you see that as a factor in this enormous clash? Well, he's got a little hamstring issue. Um, and Janssen, who's bowled so well at times, seems to have got the yips with his bowling just recently. But for all that, uh, around, obviously, Quentin de Kock with 400s in the series, they have a very, very good batting lineup. In goes Cummins, bowls short. Ah, oh, six, into the moat. That was immediately six. And what a way to reach 100. So Australia are going to have to do a lot better uh, with a new ball. And that's been a problem for them because Mitchell Stark has not been at his best. Ten wickets at vast cost. And Mitchell Stark's miserable night with the wides might be about to cost Australia the game. He's bowled five wides down the leg side. Inglis was stranded on a desert island. Couldn't get near it. They need to find the best of his rhythm and, and focus, whatever it is that makes him such an exceptional white ball bowler around uh, Pat Cummins and Hazelwood. So that's where Australia have had a little bit of an issue, despite their surging form with the bat, particularly around Mitch Marsh and latterly, of course, Maxwell. Uh, you don't always expect him to come off like that, but it's spectacular when it does. So Australia have uh, the first decision to make, do they play Labuschagne or Stoinis? I'd be going for Labuschagne myself. I think it's a bit like Mike Valletta back in 1987. You need someone in the middle order in case uh, you have to keep finding ways to keep the batting moving. And Stoinis's form with the bat has been marginal at best. But as Australia's biggest problem from what I'm seeing uh, could be the weather. Uh, not South Africa's uh, potency. I see it's sweeping in cyclonically from the Bay of Bengal. Uh, they get two bites here. They can play Thursday, obviously, and a backup reserve day on Friday. But, of course, if, if that was to happen and the, there was a washout, uh, South Africa would go through because they're on 
on top uh, ahead of Australia. I'd hate to think that would occur. That would be an anti-climax. But South Africa is certainly due to beat Australia, beat anyone in his semi-final of the World Cup. It would feel like a karmic square up, wouldn't it, after the events of 1999 to get washed mm. out and lose a spot in the final. Just from an Australian perspective, it seems to me that there's real echoes of that team that won the T20 World Cup in 2021. Not fancied mm. at all coming in and then building as the tournament progresses. Do you feel like they'll be taking some sort of level of belief from what they're able to achieve a couple of years ago in that particular tournament? Oh, I think there'll be a lot of belief there that they, they can do. this. Is, it is a very accomplished team. Whatever anyone thought of them a month or so ago when they were looking a bit rusty and uh, out of nick and you know Travis Head coming back so superbly when he did uh, from injury. So there are a lot of pluses for Australia, um, but it's just a concern for me uh, that they're not getting early wickets. And that could be a problem for them on a good deck, which I'm sure they'll get at Eden Gardens in, in Calcutta. It's an even money bet. Which players are going to come off best? A dramatic innings from one player, a, a great catch, a Labuschagne run out. There's a lot of very dramatic potential elements to this game. And South Africa, by no means, uh, walk in the park for Australia like they may have been on other occasions. We've seen Maxwell, Marsh and even Warner and indeed Head shine with the bat for Australia. Zampa has been the crucial piece with the ball. More wickets than any other player in the tournament. Zampa then into Rizwan. He's moving around in his crease. Has a swing at this. He's wrapped on the pads and given! If you had to sort of pick one as the linchpin for this particular fixture, who do you see out of the uh, Australian eleven that you think is going to be just so vital in terms of shoring up a spot in the final? Well, it could be anyone, really. I mean, Warner, Marsh at the top, Maxwell down the line, Steve Smith might come good with a, a good, aggressive innings in the in the middle order. I mean, there's there's a, a lot of elements to the Australian game here, but they'll need to score strongly against this South African side if they're batting first because South Africa have got some wonderful hitters down the line. I remember that game uh, that gave Australia an outside chance of reaching the finals in 2019, and they got trodden on by Van der Dusen. Another shortish ball, tugged away by Van der Dusen. And it's four! He split them at deep square. He hit it just in front, and he hit it firmly. And Van der Dusen is 87. That's what South Africa can do, you know, around... Markram, Van der Dusen, Klaassen and Miller, they've got some great strikers there in the middle order. Uh, I think their one one weakness potentially is that some of their bowling can be a little bit off. But if Rabada has one of his better days, and he often does against Australia, uh, that could be a telling point. So it's just too hard to call. But you, you fancy Australia simply because they've got this excellent momentum at this point of the series. Jim Maxwell is the ABC's voice of cricket. His backup singers are his budgies and his pooch. Thank you to all three or even four or five of you for joining us today, Jim. We appreciate your time. Oh, it's good to have an audience. It's, uh, <laughs> it's spectacular to, to have such uh, support from the sweet voices of budgie regards on the occasional uh, from Rusty. Cheers to you and Rusty, Jim. Appreciate it. 
Headlines after the Wallabies' calamitous World Cup campaign. We heard much about a changing of the sports system. Well, we've seen the first step of that actually happening with New South Wales formally committing to Rugby Australia's plan to align the sport. What does all that jargon mean? It means RA takes over the Waratahs' high-performance operations. We're talking about a centralisation of resources and priorities. When and if other states follow suit, remains to be seen. But, but most importantly right now, it's actually building trust and uh, and credibility with our, our member unions, given where we're at. So we're uh, having really productive conversations with our other member unions and uh, New South Wales Waratahs uh, are the first, uh, but hopefully we'll work through pretty swiftly uh, with our other Super Rugby clubs. Another story that you can file under watch this space, the AFL has issued what it's calling a clarification about the women's grand final hosting rights. Last season, the highest ranked grand finalist from the home and away standings got to host the season decider. But the AFL has just released a statement today saying the two winning sides from week one's qualifying finals, i.e. North Melbourne and Brisbane, third and fourth, on the regular season ladder, respectively, would now be seated first and second. When was that change made? Why was that change made? It's all a bit of a mystery, but the upshot is the Kangas will host the grand final, provided they win their preliminary final in two weeks' time. It all feels pretty harsh on Adelaide, who wrapped their home and away fixtures a game clear on top of the ladder, but lost week one in the NBL. The Illawarra Hawks have sacked their coach just nine games into the season. Jacob Jacobus has been in charge of the Hawks since the start of the 2022-23 campaign. Illawarra has won just five times from 37 games under his tenure. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Poppy Penny. Thanks to Fox Cricket for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.